What is up, everybody? Welcome into our first Monday edition of Texans All Access in season from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. Glad to be with you this evening. Wish we were meeting under different circumstances. Would have been nice to have a 20-17 to win in our favor, but it was not to happen. The Texans fought 0-2 yesterday with a loss in Nashville. As I mentioned earlier today, the Texans are the only team in the NFL to go on the road for two games and play two playoff teams. So I know that throughout the city, I can read, I have listened, I can read some more. I've heard what people have to say. I know people are very disappointed in the football team. I think the football team is disappointed in itself. I think Coach O'Brien, as you heard in the coaches' show, knows there are some things that he has got to get corrected in the staff and on the field, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody is disappointed with the 0-2 start. I don't think there's any question. I think one of the major differences for the team is they just got to go back to work. Everybody else, unfortunately, gets to wallow in it and, oh, my gosh, woe is us and all that kind of stuff because they go back to their, their daily grind. But when you're in it, you just move on to the next one. The Giants are coming up on Sunday. Not going to be easy. With Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, a defense that's got some athletic pieces on it. We'll talk more about the Giants as we go through the week. But there was plenty to react to from yesterday. And there were some guys in the locker room that talked today, some guys that talked after the game yesterday. So I figured this would be a good way to start our show with some hot reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And hear from some of those individuals react to what they had to say and let's start with rookie tackle Martinez Rankin, starting for the first time in the NFL. Now, he played significant amount against the New England Patriots due to an injury to Chantrell Henderson, but Martinez has stepped in at left tackle and seems to be getting better and better by the day. There are still some things that are a little bit awkward, if that's the right way of saying it, but he said today he's got to develop in a hurry. And at this point right now, i got to continue to grow up quick because, you know, being a rookie is, isn't an excuse to me. It's, you know, i got to adapt just like everyone else. Yes, he is a rookie, but he's getting up to speed fast, and I appreciate the fact that he knows he's got to keep his play at a high premium. There's no question about it. And when he does, that offensive line works pretty well together, and that's why they lead the league in rushing. And Martinez talked about this. Holding ourselves to that standard that we want to, you know, come out and run the ball. You know, we don't want to come out and set the tone as an offense, as an offensive line. So, like, you know, I guess that's the, the main goal for us. And I guess, you know, we just got to continue to keep better. We want to get more and more. You know, we want to have 1,000-yard running backs. There's an old adage, you play like you practice. And one of the things that came up in the locker room that Coach O'Brien reiterated to us during the coaches' show was about practice this week, in particular a Wednesday practice. And Tyra Matthew talked about that after the game on Sunday. You know, it's the NFL. It's tough to play on the road. Um, doesn't matter who you're playing. It's tough to win at somebody else's place. Uh, like I said, we, you know, we got to get back into it. We got to get back to the film. Uh, we come back to work this week. It got to be a true work week. Um, got to put in the work uh, just so we get a W, just one win. Tyron brings up an excellent point right there, and I, and I think he's, he's dead on with this. When you have a, a team that's got the players the Texans do, a talented team, but you're not putting it together. It's just not all – like, you see all the puzzle pieces and you see what the puzzle can be, but you're just not putting it all together. You just need to step back and get one win, 
take a deep breath, like, okay, got that win, we're good. Now we can, now let's, now let's get it done. Now let's do what we need to do. And yes, you would like to have that happen in week one, but you certainly don't want it to happen in week nine. You know what I'm saying? These guys know. They've been around winning situations. The Texans here have won two division titles in 15 and 16. Tyron went all the way to the NFC Championship game with the Cardinals in 15. Unfortunately, he didn't play due to a knee injury. But these guys, Aaron Colvin, AFC Championship game, these guys have won before. They know together what they can be. Now they just got to break the seal on a win. But he brought up that got to have a true work week. And I think it's that Wednesday practice that the guys talked about uh, after the game. Tyron talked about it. Will Fuller brought it up. Coach O'Brien brought it up today. A premium on practice. Coach has always done that. Now, here's the thing. I have seen teams have, and I've coached teams, that have had a great week of practice. I can remember it happening when I played. I can remember what happened when I coached. Man, we had a great week of practice. And go out there and nothing. I can also remember times in which our week of practice was lousy. I remember one time we we played uh, we played on Friday night in a rainstorm, and it just took a lot out of our kids. Our Wednesday practice, my defensive coordinator convinced me after 45 minutes, he's like, send them home. He's like, send them home. They're terrible right now. Came back the next day, had a decent practice. We walked through things the day before. We went out and beat the next team 44-7. to So sometimes, very rare instances, it doesn't correlate. But I think what Tyron's saying is we have to have a sense of urgency in practice to get it right and get us back on a winning track. And it would be nice. The last time the Texans won a game, Tyron Matthew was in the building for the Cardinals and the Texans beat the Cardinals. That's how far back a win. I mean, that's, this team needs a win more than anything else. There's no, time, no doubt about that. Tyron also said it's time to be honest with ourselves about this team. We've got a ton of adversity right now. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys had us starting 0-2, I mean 2-0, and, you know, we're putting up 40 points and getting all kinds of sacks and turnovers. So, uh, like I said, all of us have to look in the mirror, um, you know, uh, be our biggest critic, um, and then at the end of the day, tune out the noise. Tyron couldn't be more right. Tuning out the noise. No matter whether you're winning or you're losing, there could be positive noise, there could be negative noise. Tuning out the noise because when you're winning – all this noise is, oh, you guys are the best. You guys are the greatest. You can beat anybody. You start believing that hype. Then when you're losing, it's you guys aren't worth a plum nickel. You guys can't get this done. You guys are lousy. Coaches are bad. Players are, are terrible. Can't get it done, et cetera. So you got to block all that out. And that is harder to do now than ever before. John McClain talked about that with us this morning on Texas Monday. Staying off social media, just tuning all that stuff out. Man, that is hard, especially for – 21 to 30-year-olds have grown up with technology. They've grown up with Twitter and Facebook and all the different mechanisms of Snapchat. Me, McLean, Vandermeer, as we talked about this morning, we haven't. We didn't. Hell, I went to college without the internet. Shows you how old I am. That makes, that, for me, good Lord. John McLean's doing the same job he had now back before any of all that. So, that's hard, though. That's very hard to block out the noise, but Tyron's right. It has to be done. Now, there's a lot of frustrations with an 0-2 start. DeAndre Hopkins was asked about that after the game on Sunday. I'm not very frustrated uh, because we got a lot of football left to play. Uh, you know, we've got to correct mistakes from today uh, and, and move forward. Look, DeAndre's been around. He's seen this team, his rookie year, go 2-14. and They climbed back to 9-7 the next year, win two division titles, and then last year 
going through the litany of issues at 4-12. He knows it's a long season. He also knows that the quarterback leading them is a guy that can help get them out of this funk, if you will. But he does need some help. He's a great leader. Uh, you know, everybody, it's not just him. Uh, you know, it's, it's 11 people on the field at one time. Uh, Deshaun doesn't play football by itself. Speaking of said quarterback, let's hear from Deshaun Watson, who said, hey, relax, don't hit the panic button yet. We're fine. I mean, if you uh one of the guys, one of the people, one of the fans hitting the panic button, then that's on y'all. Don't, don't hop on the train later on down the season. So uh, no point of panicking. I know I'm not going to panic, especially from what I came from, you know, my my childhood. So, you know, it comes with it. I took losses before, take it under the chin. And, you know, try to get better from it. They got to just keep playing. They'll, I guarantee you this team will play its way out of a funk, get a win, and then that'll break the seal and they'll get on a run, start stacking some W's. That's what needs to happen. But I think Deshaun is absolutely right. Hey, we're okay. We're not great. We're okay and we'll be better. We will be better. And it will help to have a home game. There's no question about that. Deshaun was also asked about the team's mindset after losing the first two games. Just move on. You can't dwell on it. Uh, you take some, you get some wins. You take some losses, but you know you grow from it. It's part of the game. If you dwell on this, these uh, last two losses, then I mean your season's gonna go up in the tank. You just gotta continue to move on. You know, yeah, the record say 0 and 2, but you know it's upcoming. We we 0 and 0. Try to get 1 and 0. Boy, it was great to see 15 back on the field yesterday. Will Fuller was all kinds of awesome yesterday. Eight catches. 113 yards, 39-yard touchdown catch. His only touchdown of the day, one touchdown. That's five touchdowns against the Titans in three years. It's pretty nice since going to be back. It always feels good to you know, get back out there with the guys. Uh, I feel like I ain't played a football game in a long time, so it just felt good to, to get back out here. Unfortunately, we didn't get the win, but like I said, we're going to work at that practice or win next week. Now, my favorite soundbite of the day is coming up. This a lot of times this will happen in interviews, and sometimes I know it happens to me after a game if I'm interviewing a player and I ask them, you know, hey, what happened on this particular play? And a lot of times you ask the player about a big play that he made during the game. Hey, what, ha- what happened on an interception? Take me through that play. What happened there? So Will was asked about what happened on his touchdown catch. This is the sound by the year right here. I just ran fast. You know, he's, uh, Michael Bello was pressing me, and uh, I beat him off the line, and Deshaun threw a perfect pass. No one in that locker room can get straight to the point better than Will Fuller. What happened? I just ran fast. <laughs> I heard that clip, and I, just, I, died, I died laughing. Look, I'm telling you, at this point, anywhere you can get a laugh. And I don't know, Will didn't mean it that way. He was being serious. He did. He just ran fast. He ran fast and went right by Butler, and then at the very end, he got a nice little push-off in. And the last time those two had faced one another was in the playoff game. And if you remember in the playoff game in 2016 when Butler's the Patriots, Fuller also ran fast, but he didn't hang on to that one. Yesterday, he hung on to it. And I'm telling you, this guy changes things, and hopefully we're going to get another one back this week that can also change things in the receiving game as well. It'll be fun to have Kiki QT back. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he can get back this week. Then you can start putting the pieces together. Then it's Deontay Foreman. We wait for him. And now you really open this thing up. And hopefully that's 
what happens down the road. But um, nobody nobody cuts to the quick better than Will Fuller. What would you do in a TD? I just ran fast. That's really all it is. All right, let's get to our final cuts from the locker room. And this came on Sunday as J.J. Watt talked to the media after the game. He was asked what he thought about the defensive performance. It wasn't good. I mean, I, I can only speak for the defense. And obviously, we had the one drive in the first half uh, where they went wildcat. We gave up too much. And then the last drive at the end for them to get the field goal. Um, we, can't, we can't give up those two drives. Here's where I will defend the defense and J.J. Watt, of course. I know what he's saying. He's trying to say, hey, look, we got to do our part as well. But the touchdown they gave up on the uh, when it was 7 nothing. They started at the 45-yard line. The two field goals they gave up at the end, they're field goals. They gave up field goals. I mean, for the second game in a row, all they've given up, six points in the second half. So there's a point at which, okay, everybody's got to pick up the slack a little bit to make sure that a good defensive performance like that gets this team a W. Now, J.J. was asked about the, and I'm just going by what the question was asked, about the lack of pressure on Blaine Gabbert. It's a very interesting answer I'll get into in a second. When did you want pressure? I mean, they they sat there and they quick-throwed it. They'd throw a quick throw out to the side. They'd put two. They'd have both the running backs chipped. They'd have a tight end chip. I mean, they threw a three-step. They ran the ball. I mean, I don't know when you wanted pressure. I don't know when there was a seven-yard drop-back pass that you thought we didn't get enough pressure. But uh, they are smart. They had a good game plan. They knew that they had their guys out, so they had a game plan put together that they didn't need to protect against a pass rush like ours. So you have to give them credit. They did a good job of creating a game plan that didn't put their tackles in harm's way. Actually, J.J. said it best. He's absolutely right. There's only about six or seven throws where they took any more than a five-step or a gun three-step drop. That's it. That was all. Appreciate the guys and their comments. Hopefully next week there'll be some more positive ones after a W against the Giants. Coming up next, Andre Ware joined Mark and myself. We'll have that for you right here on Texans Access. Hey, calling all Houston area teachers. Want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Well, then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills. That is HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is Texans All Access from... Sunday Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you after a rough afternoon. A Sunday afternoon where there are so many good things, yet so many mistakes that put this team in a hole. Two steps forward, three steps back. It felt like all day long, and boy, it was tough. The men that had a chance to call it, Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and me. We had that opportunity on Sunday, and Mark and I caught up with Andre Ware on Texans Monday. Well, let's get Andre Ware in here to talk about it. Andre joins us on Texans Monday, presented by Houston Methodist. Good morning, Dre. How's it going? Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Well, let's begin with something positive here, like Will Fuller, because he he comes back into the lineup. And, Dre, i got to say this, that he just looks 
better. I mean, I know he made some huge plays last year, but he looks like a more complete kind of receiver now. Some of the short stuff, the tough catches, maybe the big bodies helping. What is your take on Fuller? Yeah, I, I think that Tennessee went in into, into the game thinking they were going to take away uh, DeAndre, and he was going to get a lot of attention, and they could handle Will uh, Will Fuller with just coverage one-on-one on the backside or away from uh, anything away from, from DeAndre Hopkins. And so when when uh, you do that, you run the risk of, of uh, him getting deep, as he did a couple on a couple of occasions. Uh, I thought that Malcolm Butler was became basically terrified of, of his speed and started giving him a big cushion, even though at times he was the lone defender on, on Will Fuller. But uh, then he just went to work on him. And, and I, I said during the broadcast, I thought – the work that he put in during the off season to get his body a little bit bigger uh, is certainly starting to pay off, and it, and it looked that way yesterday. Andre, your thoughts? You played the position. You know how difficult it is to play the quarterback position. What are your thoughts about Deshaun Watson through these first two games, but in particular yesterday? What you saw from him? Things needs to address. Things you liked seeing about him yesterday? Well, we talked about it last week. I mean, we we tend to forget because he's such a talented player that he is uh, only in his second year and uh, only in and not even a complete year under his belt because he was injured and and out most of last season and then now he's just kind of getting his footing back back under him from the injury. But you know, you you've got to have that drilled. And the situation I'm talking about is at the end of the game. That's got to be drilled in your head from the sideline as you get ready to go back on the field. The first thing is you know you can't take a sack with 17 seconds left in the ball game. And secondly, the ball's got to come out quickly so that we have a shot with no timeouts if it's a first down to get the field goal unit on the field in time to to maybe kick the field goal and tie the thing up. But uh, you can't hold on to it long. And you get caught up because he is such a playmaker that you think you can make every play. And sometimes it's not necessary to try to make every play. And, And I think that's just what he got caught up in yesterday. As the play started to develop, the situation uh, that he knew what was, you know, what was called for in that situation got away from him a little bit, and time wound up running out on him. But uh, I, I like what I'm seeing. Uh, I would love to see a little more protection up front, and I don't know how you get that at this stage, but uh, I think he would be that much more a dominant player if he had just a little bit more time where he's not – getting the ball out, and then taking shots. And then as well, he wants, he's got to know when a play's over. You know, he thinks he can you know, make every play, every snap. Sometimes they're over and just throw the ball away so you're not taking shots uh, at yeah. the, end of the uh, end of a ball, end of a play because those things start to add up as the season starts to progress. Yeah, that's really well put. I mean, they will add up. I mean, here he is surviving these hits, but he's taken a lot of shots in the first couple of weeks, and they got to find a way to protect him. What about this running game, Andre? I think that's maybe the most encouraging thing this entire season is that they're leading the league in rushing right now. That's not something we expected through two games of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Lamar Miller. We we know he did some work in the offseason, came back lighter, and and you can see it, Alfred Blue. I think I have more respect for him, or as much respect for him as any player on this entire roster, because he's just going to be the guy that is. Uh, they try to replace every year. 
on the roster. That's just just a fact. And they're going to bring backs in and, and audition and, and draft, and, and he just goes about his business, and he, he, he uh, welcomes the challenge. He goes to work, and, and he responds given the opportunities that he gets in a ballgame. I thought he was a true difference maker yesterday in terms of what they were able to do in the running game uh, and, and, uh, and keeping the offense afloat at times. I love him on special teams. He's just—he's a good football player, and I think that's the ultimate compliment that you can pay someone that plays in this profession. But he is—he uh, is that in every sense of the word. Dre, if you walked into the the meeting room today and you were meeting with this this team after two tough losses, obviously playoff teams and on the road. What would be your message to this particular team with the mix it has of veterans and young guys? And what would be your message after these two tough wins or two tough losses, especially the one yesterday? Um, just being honest, we let one get away and one that we should have won. I mean, going in, knowing the circumstances going into the game, uh, we needed more from a, a, a pass rush in uh, a, a pass rush sense. And then, I would tell them that, you know, every play counts. For 60 minutes, you absolutely have to lock in in a professional football game. You can't have uh, penalties, pre-snap penalties, where you're just breaking the huddle or we're at the line of scrimmage. You know the snap count. You know what's coming. Uh, we, We can't continue to put ourselves behind the chains and expect to convert when it's third and long. Uh, secondly, guys, everybody, in, on, on the entire sideline has to lock in for 60 minutes. We can't have a guy out of uniform uh, contribute to a 15-yard penalty. If you're on the sideline, you're locked in and you're supporting your teammates, I think there may be a rule put in from now, you know, going forward that those guys stand behind the yellow line, and that's like way behind the bench as they yeah. watch the game because you just you can't have something like that that leads to a score and hurts the football team. That is totally uncalled for yeah that was uh very painful indeed one of many painful moments in the game all right so andre you look around this division the jaguars look like the best team in the afc possibly i know kansas city's lighting it up but they're lighting it up offensively the jaguars with blake bortles throwing all those touchdowns yesterday and they have defense to me that might be top to bottom the best team in the afc and possibly contending for top team in the nfl yeah, it might be the best team in the league. I mean, I don't know a team in the NFC that uh, that even comes close. And, and I was telling a buddy the other day that uh, when you look at Jacksonville and their roster, when they get to the draft, I mean, it's hard to, to, to look for a need. They're drafting for depth. So you can take the best player. I think Tom Coughlin has done one heck of a job in a small amount of time to create depth on the football team, not just the front-line players and the starters, but there's depth behind them. So when they have – injuries uh it's really unplug and plug the next guy in and they don't miss a beat and they have so much talent uh around blake bortles that he's finally starting to turn the corner not turning the ball over and that's a scary thing uh within the division if he is taking care of the football with all the weapons at his disposal they lose four net they don't miss a beat. T.J. Yeldon steps in and, and catches a touchdown pass a week ago, and, and they just continue to do what they're doing. They handled New England yesterday. There were mm. you know points and times of fumble. Otherwise, it's an even uh, larger margin of victory for them uh, over New England. So uh, it, it's a scary thing to watch, and, and, and it happens to be right here in the division. 
Scarier might be, Dre, Kansas City's offense with Patrick Mahomes pulling a trigger, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, of course, Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. Of course, the flip side of that is that defense isn't very good, but Kansas City can put up points with any offense that we've seen. What do you think about what Mahomes is doing? Yeah, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Andy Reid because, you know, when he did it and trading up for Mahomes and Alex Smith has played the way he had played, everybody thought, well, you know, what is this about? And uh, it took one year for him to just kind of learn the system. They were able to give him a red shirt. And even then, you know, there are some times during the preseason where you said, well, you know, what, what is going on in Kansas City? Why would they do this? And, and, uh, this kid hadn't missed a beat. He came out, you know, red hot. He's got playmakers around him, the running game and Kareem Hunt. Uh, he's got support there where he can turn around. That takes some pressure off of him. And you get so caught up in trying to stop the run that you forget about the dynamic receivers that they have on the outside that can make plays. They've got size, and they certainly have speed and playmaking ability uh, around them. They've got one of the better tight ends, if not right now, uh, the best in the league in Travis Kelsey, uh, in my opinion. So he's just, he just pulled the trigger, and he is doing it uh, as well as anybody could do it in the first two weeks of the season or it's ever been done in the first two weeks of an NFL season. What do you have in college football this week, Andre? Going back to the U uh, again oh, against boy. Florida International. Yeah, uh, how about that? And so uh, going down to Miami this this trip and uh, Florida Internationals there, they actually won pretty big. You know, you get a, a group of kids that probably grew up wanting to go to Miami, so that uh, that's always good to see a, a game where there's some guys playing with a chip on their shoulder because they felt like they were overlooked. But it's it's a solid team. They won big. They put up 60-plus points last week or this past weekend. So I'm interested to see what uh, what the game will – how the game will unfold. But Miami looked really good against Toledo uh, last weekend. Malik Rozier uh, kind of found his rhythm. I think he threw two touchdown passes and ran for – Ran for three, so uh, he was he was definitely playing and and, uh, and did a nice job on Saturday. And Butch Davis is coaching FIU, so this is huge Ooh. for him. Okay, Ooh. well say say hi to Butch for me and have a great time, Andre. We look forward to seeing you Sunday. We'll do, guys. I'll see you then. Boy, that's got to be some kind of weird for Butch Davis to be playing the University of Miami, a school where he was with his new school FIU. That's always kind of strange. I've done that before in my, my past life. Coaching against a team where you once coached, it's very strange. Very weird, but, you know, the best ones, I suppose, can pull it off and get away with it. And FIU's got some talent, but Miami should be able to roll in that one. They finally got it going against Toledo last week where Dre was calling that Miami-Toledo game, so he's got a second Miami game back-to-back. Okay, when we get back, we got to talk to Spencer Tillman. Inside the game, that was on Sunday night. Hopefully you get a chance to see that. Spencer is probably one of the best people to talk to after a loss because he's got a pretty good perspective on things, and obviously that's one of the reasons after a loss he is so good to talk to because he does keep it in perspective and does a great job with that. So we will have Spencer Tillman next right here on Texans All Access.
Second down and 14 from the Tennessee 21-yard line. Now they get out of the wild. Henry. Gabbard drops back. Gabbard in trouble. And Edgefor has him down for a sack. Duke Edgefor, first career sack. There's that man, Duke Edgefor, rookie out of Aleaf Taylor High School, Wake Forest. Of course, a Houston homeboy. Glad to see him make a play for his team. Active this time, banged up a little bit in week one. Finally got on the field on Sunday, and I say finally got on the field. And he missed one week, but it was we needed him at New England as well. But I bring up Duke Edgefort to start this segment and welcome back to our final segment of Texans All Access. Each and every Monday, I'll try and highlight a player or a particular play. I picked this sack, but this wasn't really the Duke Edgefort play that I I wanted. There was an incompletion by Blaine Gabbard earlier in the game, and it followed actually a Duke Edgefort tackle on Derrick Henry. And Edgefort took him down on a tackle. I I want to say it was one of the first few plays that Edgefort had been in a game. He was playing on the right side, and Henry cut a run back. Duke was getting off a block, got up, boom, tackled him. He ended up getting like a two- or three-yard game. But it was four first down. I think it was one of the only first downs that the Titans ended up getting from the second quarter until the fourth quarter. So good defensive play. But they ended up getting a first down. So it was first and ten, and Duke was lined up on the right side. And he was lined up against Kevin Pumfield. And I, at the Greenbrier, I saw Duke, when I, when I would watch him do one-on-ones, I was most intrigued by him because I never knew what he was going to do next. You just never, you never knew. He, he seemingly had this bag of, I don't say bag of tricks, because rushing the passer is not a bag of tricks, but he had a, a, this you know, bag of moves. He could just, this toolbox of moves that he could just go to, like, all right, well, I'm going to throw a chop and a swipe. Or I'm gonna chop, chop and a rip. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do double wipers with a rip. Uh, I'm gonna do a swim move here. I'm gonna do inside spin. I mean, he's got all kinds of moves. Well, one that I had really, I don't think I'd ever seen. I'm watching. It's the very last rep of pass rush run on one on ones. I don't even know who he was going against. And I saw him do it, and it's one of those things when you see it live. And a lot of times when I see things live. I immediately look up because I'm looking for the video board because that's down on the sidelines. I can do that. I look, I watch the play live, and then I look to see when the video board's going to show me a replay so I can see some of the other aspects maybe I didn't see with it live. So I immediately look up like, oh, man, there's the video board here. I'm not going to see that again. What did he just do? That's one of the craziest moves I've ever seen. And I didn't really know how to explain it, but it looked like he looked like Allen Iverson on a crossover. He kind of took like a hesitation dribble – like he was going to cross somebody over and then crossed him over. Well, he did that on Pumpfield. I don't know that I've ever seen that in a game. He took like these two long steps. You know, most guys are just you know sprinting off the edge or they're busting it inside. He seemingly was kind of taking two long steps and then boom, he got inside Pumpfield and Pumpfield didn't know what to do. And Edgeford just got clean to the quarterback. And Gabbert, threw the ball a millisecond before Edgefort got there. A millisecond. He threw it. Now, I don't know if Gabbert felt him and got rid of it because of that, but Edgefort coming from the backside, if, if Gabbert holds that ball a half second longer, Edgefort has got a strip sack, fumble out, and the Texans are going to end up with the ball. Just the nature of, of how he was getting there, 
And Gabbert not seeing him, I don't know if he felt him, like I said, but man, what a move. It's as unique as anything I've ever seen a pass rusher do. You know, a lot of times with inside moves, you sprint hard to the outside shoulder and then you rip back under. But this was almost sets you up. I'm going to cross you over like Steph Curry, you know, like James Hard with the crossover. I mean, it was so unique. And that's what got Duke to the quarterback on that particular play. Now, on the sack, he just tore the guy down and ripped outside of him and then bent it back to the quarterback and got to Gabbert for the sack. That was a tremendous play by Duke getting that sack. The third sack for the Texans this year, would love to see more. And I know people are like, well, wait a second, they didn't have their top three tackles and you only had one sack. Part of that was well, I, the, the Titans. I almost called them the Rams because that's where Matt LaFleur came from. The Titans, if you look at what they did, they had they threw the ball 20 times, 21 if you count the sack, 21 dropbacks for Blaine Gabbard. And he threw the ball either three-step quick game, one-step quick game, or screen 12 or 13 times. He only dropped back to throw like take a five-step drop or take three steps from gun, like seven, six or seven times. That was it. And on those, Duke got one sack, and then he had guys in his face anytime he did that. Now, I will say, he delivered at the key time of the game, Gabbert did, with the ball that he threw to, to Tajay Sharp on, think, I think it was third and three. And he delivered a dime across the middle. And that's when I was like, oh, man, this is not good. Because Sharp had had the one knocked away earlier in the game by Kareem Jackson. This one he held on to. I think he had Jonathan Joseph draped all over him. He held on to it. And that was a big that was a big play in the game. That was a huge play. And that was Gabbard standing up. And the rush was, was closing in on him. And still he was able to hang on and deliver that throw. But I'm telling you, in due time, number 53 is going to be a hell of a pass rusher in this league. All right, a guy that's played in this league and played in this league for a long time joins us each and every Monday, and that is Spencer Tillman. He's great to talk to after a loss because he can break it down and simplify it and I'll give you some perspective, if you will. Here's Spencer with us this morning. The morning after, Spencer, what's your overall take on the game yesterday in Nashville? Well, I, you know, I don't know what the team is going to say. I listen to players speak individually about it. Tyron Matthew probably had the most uh, acute and focused response. That is, everybody's got to check themselves, and that's a common response when you're down. You know, but it's true. Everybody has to be responsible, man. I mean, there's enough blame to go around for everybody. The early execution, I think, or lack thereof, that that impacted the degree to which a familiar friend, now turned foe, was able to affect the quarterback with the looks they gave up front and our inability along the offensive line to discern what they were doing and to, to get our assignments right. And I think that's cause for concern because we can see when you do protect number four that he's able to get the ball down on the field. And then Will Fuller's presence just changed everything. I mean, the, the, the respect that you have to give him, the single coverage, um, it, it just creates a different dynamic. But before you can even get to that level, you've got to protect the quarterback first. So I, I just think that that kind of set the tone early for me. Too many – opportunities to get to number four early kind of set a tone uh, with execution that I, I didn't think was really befitting of this, this organization because the, the more talented team lost this game yesterday. Spencer, we were just talking about, the you mentioned Fuller, the Fuller touchdown that makes it 17-14. We felt like that sequence leading up to that, they basically had about two quarters of being dominant on defense. The offense was kind of finding its groove. They had 17 unanswered. 
They were kind of on track. It felt like that was the crucial moment of the game right there where they could really put Tennessee in a massive hole. And then Gabbert makes a play. Then there's a 15-yard penalty. It felt like all that they had worked uphill to get, they sort of petered away, if you will, all with that one-play sequence when Gabbert hit Stocker on that on that uh, bootleg play. What did you think about that sequence, and do you agree with it being that vital at that point in the game? No, you guys nailed it. That that was the inflection point. You know, usually you, you can look at either a series or one or two plays at the inflection point. That series and those series of plays was the inflection point because I guarantee you Blaine Gabbert did not look like a backup quarterback on that series. And the compliment, the way they mixed the pass and the run, did it, a couple of favorable calls in that process, and then our – you know, having a, a marquee player not suited up impact the game in the way that he did. And, and as I look at the tape again and again and again, guys, listen, I think the, the tight end coming off the field was actually made about a 12-degree bend toward J.D. And J.D. compounded it by opening his mouth and really mm. speaking, and that's what, what the offense was, and that's what people tend to see. But if you just break it down, you know the nuance, the body language. As he's coming off the field, he actually did move toward J.D. It was slight, and you have to be engaged and know what to look for. But that little defiant, little 12-degree move was was totally wiped away by the, the emotional verbal response, and that's what got, got us in trouble there. And, and so, yes, you're absolutely correct. It was that series and those series of plays that was the inflection point at which this, this game changed. Because that, before that point, you're right. It looked like we had gotten control of things and were playing the way we should have been playing all game long. But that was the pivotal series in, in that game yesterday. Spencer, also, Texans have the ball first and 10 at the Titan 39-yard line. They move it a couple of yards, and then they punt, but the punt goes into the end zone. That was an unfortunate series, to say the least, because they had a chance to take the lead right there and were unable to Mm -hmm. execute. It's just little things, but they all add up. The little things do add up. And and one little thing that was a huge thing, guys, you know I'm a special teams guy, but but Natrell Jamison's mistake, listen, here's a principle on special teams when you're dealing with that. Your mind tells you down and distance there's no way you're going to throw a a fake punt in this situation backed up between your 30-35 or whatever the specific point was. The book says you never do that. But they look at Tate. They're smart guys over there. If they see your safeties nosing around trying to give sugar looks up front to to give the illusion that you're going to try to go after a block, and you got a guy that's naked out there, not uncovered, the ball moves faster than the body. The, the science tells you there's no way you can bail out, particularly to the wide side of the field, and get back and cover reasonably. A south part, you look at his execution, the way that that pass was thrown, it was beautiful. He never hitched, never took a set step. From a southpaw position, he just stood, direct snap, and threw it. That meant that if you were going to get back there to cover it, you had to be just like the flash, the human flash. No way you could do that. It, it was just perfectly executed at the right time, given the up back, the latitude, to make the call and make the play, and everybody was in, in unison except the Texans just got burnt on that. So that was a disappointing play for me to see because that could have changed everything as well. Yeah, Spencer, you made a great point. Him being left-handed gave him that wide-open side of the oh, yeah. field. Like, he could see it. That's, abs- that's a great point. And, of course, how do you even know Kevin Byer to safety is left-handed at that point? But either way, <laughs> you're right. And it, and it became a trudge, trudging back uphill after giving up that touchdown. And, Spencer, one of the things that we've talked about along those lines is the fact that they had seven possessions inside Tennessee's 40-yard line yesterday and only came up with 17 points. And that just... 
that can't happen when you have that sort of success, as Mark put it, from the 25 to the 35. What does a team have to do? I don't know anything specifically, but when you get inside the 35-yard line on the other side, what's the key to making sure that you are efficient and getting at least three up on the board instead of putting up nothing that really could hurt you? You punted twice once you got inside the Tennessee 40-yard line yesterday, and that can't happen either. How can they be more effective once they get into scoring territory? I think it always comes back down to details. It doesn't matter if you're on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. It could be run fits on defense. On offense, it can be angles that you you attack people with and block with on that first series, for example. I know you're talking about a different part of the game, but on the first series, I was watching Ryan Griffin's um, angle as he was coming to kick out a guy with wide nine technique, and he took a kind of an inside angle. I know he's got to clear the back and get out in front of them to make the mesh point work and even be effective from a play-action standpoint, but he allowed contact on the quarterback as a result of his angle. To me, it's about execution. If you just do your job, you're going to mitigate the bad things that tend to happen. You know, listen, they pay their guys a lot of money to stop you from doing what you've been coached to do. You're not going to win every one of those battles. But what you can do is be in reasonable proximity to what your assignment dictates to do. And then when you find yourself in a position to make a play, you got to make it. You know, even Tyron Matthew mentioned the fact that there were a couple of missed tackles. And then, and, and one of the missed tackles, you know, happened on Taewon Taylor's touchdown, and he missed it. You know, and he's a, he's a great player. We all know that. But executing the play, executing your technique, football is really basic and simple. Blocking, tackling, all those fundamental things you have to do. it. And when you get in tight quarters, it even becomes even more um, important that you focus on those details. Well, now you have the detail of playing the New York Giants. They lost to Dallas last night, both teams 0-2, but at least you're coming home. And it just feels so late to be playing the home opener. But here we are on Sunday, Spencer. Your thoughts? Yeah, I just think they've got to play with confidence. They've got to, you know, have a snap and clear mentality and move on. As difficult as that was, because that could potentially sting. And I think Tyron said something to this effect, that we're going to find out what kind of team we have this week. And I do believe that from the bottom of my heart. The home environment is going to be great, but, but they've got to get past that and play as if they're almost on the road. They've got to get that mentality going no matter where they play, become professionals. I, I, that's, that's the bottom line for me. All right, Spencer, where are you with uh, Fox this week? Big house, man. We got Nebraska-Michigan. I hope this game you know, would have been a, a one that was a little bit less unblemished, but uh, Nebraska's got quarterback issues, and so they dropped one, Detroit, and it's going to be tough. But it's going to be a lot of storylines, and I'm excited about that. All right, Spencer, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, guys, take care. There you have it, folks. Big thanks to Mark, to Andre, to Spencer, to all of you for listening, to my guys back home in the studio of Sports Radio 610. Really appreciate you listening. We'll get this thing turned around. 0-2, turn this around. Got to get a win on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. A little, I don't say desperate times, but I think this team at home will feel the home crowd, and I think that will definitely be a major assistance. We will see you tomorrow, everybody. we got a jam-packed day. There's no question, but hang on tonight. For Monday Night Football, Seattle Seahawks versus Chicago Bears right here on our flagship Sports Radio 610. Appreciate it, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.